Hey everybody, welcome back to Amateur Draft Podcast. We just finished the NFC predictions not that long ago. Uh, we're going to go into the NFC, start with Baltimore Ravens. First, I'm here with my fantastic co-host, also Ethan. Yep, glad to be here. It's going to be fun. For sure. Uh, look out for the awards and playoff predictions uh, for the same season. We're just rolling this into conference by conference and then uh, postseason. So, first of all, we're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we got 12-4 and four for the record. What's something that stood out to you? I mean, the first thing that stands out is that they're only 500 on the road, which for Baltimore is not great, but their records still stand out because they go undefeated at home. Yeah, and it's it's not necessarily like that's going to be something that happens, but, you know, I mean, when you look at the matchups, this is kind of what this is kind of what comes up. Um, you know, we got, uh, we're losing to Houston uh, away. You know, I mean, at some point you're going to lose. I, I'd pick Deshaun Watson to make that happen. Uh, Washington's got a, an elite front seven. Uh, Pittsburgh at home, Cleveland at home. I I'm perfectly fine with giving them those L's, and that's it. You know, so uh, four and four away is rough, but it's not as bad as it looks. I mean, these are good teams that they're losing to, except for Washington. But you know, a great team's going to lose a game like that during their season. Yeah, and they just don't match up well against them. It happens, and you know, this is still a good record for them. And I think that's what everyone expects. Yep. And not to necessarily say that I would expect Washington to beat them, but I think you have to build in some variance here. As we'll see later when we get to the AFC West, um, we're, we're trying to predict a little bit more of what would happen in a season than uh, what we would expect to happen in a season because you have to expect the unexpected. So moving on to Cleveland, we got 11-5, and five, coming second in the AFC North. Um, what kind of stands out to you about this? Well, first of all, Cleveland is second in the AFC North. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. That's standing out. Uh, it will make them a playoff team. Browns fans will be happy about that one. They uh, are really just solid all around, really good home team, a solid road team, nothing that's, you know, really glaring. Yep, and I think one thing that's important to know here is, so you're 6-1 and one versus a losing team, so you're beating teams you should. And you're five and four against winning teams. So you got a winning record against them too. So it's not like they're just feeding off of the, you know, the losing teams on their record. You know, that's what they've done in years past. And this year, they kind of we're projecting them to kind of turn it around and be a really solid team, which for Cleveland fans has to be awesome. Yep. I mean, you're going four and two in division, which is great in a very strong division. You know, you're splitting with, uh, you're splitting with uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and you're sweeping Cincinnati. Like that's a that's a great way, like, that's a great season to have. So, I mean, that's just about all you can say for the Cleveland Browns. It's not much to talk about as to what went wrong as much as what went right. Um, I don't think that's a very unrealistic season at all. No, they have a really talented roster. Um, we're being optimistic about their new coach, Kevin Stefanski, and that they can really pull it together this year. Yep, I mean, I, they really, uh, they've really done a great job of addressing the, the issues on their team. Uh, they built up their tackles this year which was one of their biggest issues last year, probably their biggest. Um, and then hopefully you're going to see Miles Garrett not committing uh, crimes on the football field, and he'll play a long, prosperous season. So yeah, that would be awesome. That, I'd love for people to, like, remain semi-civil. That would be great. Um, so next up, Pittsburgh Steelers going 10-6. and six. That is three 10-plus win teams in this division. But the way that it shaped out, honestly, it's looking like the best in the league. Yeah, we're having the Steelers having a bounce back year after last year was kind of rough. Mike Tomlin somehow held the wheels on the bus. Should have been coach of the year. Uh, Big Ben coming back from having a solid record this year. I think that's what everyone expects them to do. Yep, I think something very interesting here. They go five and three at home, and then five and three away. 
Uh, that's a very interesting thing to have happen. But uh, like I said, it comes down to uh, comes down to the uh, matchups. Uh, for example, you've got you know Houston winning uh, in Pittsburgh. You've got Philly winning it in Pittsburgh. Some of these games they shouldn't really be dropping, but then they go out there and they beat Dallas. Uh, they beat Dallas in Dallas. You know they so. They've got a great record coming out of this. They're actually going to make the playoffs be the first division with three uh, teams in the playoffs here, if I'm correct. Nope, uh, the second one besides the NFC West. Yeah, two great divisions, probably the two best divisions in football, and uh, for sure the two best division, divisions in their respective conferences. Yep, especially, or at least by, uh, by record. So now we're going to look at the NFC South. Well, you skipped uh, Cincinnati there. Oh, dang. It's easy, too. I mean, they're easy to overlook. <laughs> no, they're and especially when you know looking at all these playoff teams, and yeah, we get to five and eleven Cincinnati, which, given the current situation, is reasonable. Is reasonable, you know. Joe Burrow is awesome, but then there's the rest of the team and the coaching staff. Yeah, I was vouching for the Bengals when I felt like I possibly could. Um, I wanted to get them a win. Um, you know they start they start one in seven. That is a rough way to start a yeah. year. That's terrible on your locker room. Yeah, um, but they they do turn it around. We've got them coming off the bye week in Pittsburgh, winning. Um, we've got them going beating Washington, uh, dropping a game to New York, and beating Miami, uh, beating Miami. You know, and, and finishing the year at five and eleven, which is not awful. You know, the thing that really stands out to me here is one in nine versus winning teams. That's, they don't have an offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they've really got to address that in these coming seasons if they want to take advantage of the talent that they have at quarterback. Yep. I mean, they're not one of these teams that's like an Atlanta 5-11 and where, you know, they're getting two or three wins against winning teams and just kind of not really finishing. Like, this is a team that really cannot compete versus a pass rush, you know, and you're seeing that in terms of 4-2 and two versus losing teams. Yeah, it's they can beat up on teams without a pass rush that aren't very good, but then you get a against a good team, which, you know, usually has a pass rush, and they just get obliterated. Yep, they fall apart in the trenches. So, um, we're going to move on, like I said, to the NFC South, uh, starting with division winner uh, and the only team in this division to go to the playoffs, uh, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee is coming off a, uh, frankly, miraculous playoff run last year and uh, putting in a very Tennessee season. Nine and seven. It's the only season they are allowed to have. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is a very interesting division. Actually, I'd like to preface: we've got two teams at nine and seven, a team at eight and eight, um, and then I, I, you would never guess who's going two and fourteen. Um, no, it's it really it comes down to strength of schedule as for the only team to go to the playoffs here. In fact, we originally in our first version of this had Indy winning the the entire division, um, and they got knocked out of the playoffs completely. So. Um, it, it really is a close, it's a very close race. This could go, it might as well be a three-way tie. Yeah, all these teams are really close, and they play, you know, similar schedules because they were all pretty close last year, and it just kind of came down to certain matchups bounced the Titans away. Absolutely. So if you want to look at this, um, we got four and four at home, five and three away. Um, so it really does come down to five and four versus winning teams, four and three versus losing teams. A very mediocre team going nine and seven. Um, just sweeping through here. They're as great as they were last year. I do see there being signs of regression. And you know, the sign of regression—they're just very predictable. And if you can stop the run, you can beat the Titans. 
yeah, now it does come down to can you stop the run? They lost uh, their starting right tackle last year uh, to the Browns. I don't really remember his name. Um, they lost him. They're going to be hoping to put in Isaiah Wilson, the rookie from Georgia this year. And, uh, I mean, he's a great fit for their system, but you just cannot expect him to go in there, you know, day one and necessarily live up to live up to what you need from him. Um, I mean, all around, you've got a great you've got a great developing team. They lost Jarrell Casey to the Broncos, um, came in, brought in Vic Beasley, uh, who you just can't expect much from. Like, it's just... Vic Beasley is one of those guys that has all the talent in the world, but just doesn't seem to put it together. He's a really strange player, honestly. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, it's one of those it's one of those unfortunate situations where they did overperform and they didn't get better. Um, so you really got to hope for really got to hope for a lot more. Uh, then we get to Houston at nine and seven, four and two in the division as well. It all comes down to the head-to-head matchups where we do have Tennessee sweeping Houston. Yeah, and you know, the really only thing holding Houston together is the fact that they have an elite quarterback. Uh, that front office is terrible. I mean, I think everyone saw that with the D Hop trade this offseason. It just made no sense at all. Uh, the D, uh, the front office is named Bill O'Brien. Front office doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, they frankly should be in a lot better team this year, but because of his mismanagement, they're not going to be. Yep. And what in we, our in our prediction, I'm not saying that we can predict the future, but in what we see in the matchups, they're not going to be as good as they should be because Bill O'Brien is trying to run this team to the ground. Yep, and what we've kind of se- what we're kind of seeing here is two and six versus winning teams, seven and one versus losing teams. Um, they're playing the games they're supposed to, and they're not winning games that they might that they should. Um, you know, I mean, you're dropping games to Kansas City, Green Bay, Cleveland, uh, even Detroit in one week, just because that that's going to happen to a team. You know, you're not going to go eight and zero versus losing teams. Um, so, I mean, all in all, what you're looking at here is it's a really it's a really rough schedule. Um, I say really rough schedule. It's really rough how it turns out, um, you know. And ultimately, it comes down to perhaps that Week 17 game, Tech uh, Tennessee versus Houston. But I mean, you just can't count on in that game, even though you're at home, your entire team being healthy. Is JJ Watt healthy? Is Will Fuller healthy? Is Kenny Stills healthy? I mean, that's not as much of a problem. But I mean, you just got to look at like you're gonna have injuries, and in that case, I trust Tennessee's injury history more than Houston. Well, and I trust Tennessee to overall roster more. Even if someone's hurt, they have a guy behind them that can step up, and I don't know that I think that Houston does. Yep. I mean, and this is a team that has a win range of, like, 11 to 7 wins. Yeah, they could either be a really solid, make the playoff team, or they could be a uh, very disappointing team, and we kind of put them right there in the middle. Yep. So, uh, I honestly feel like this is exactly dead center for them. Um, And then moving on to, this is sad. Indianapolis, and we like this team more than eight and eight, do we not? I mean, we really do. It just came down to matchups, and that uh, they have some glaring weaknesses that will hurt them in this. Yep. And what we're gonna see here is that they actually start out six and one. Um, they drop a game to Baltimore, win in Tennessee, uh, drop a game to Green Bay, uh, lose to Tennessee, like lose to Houston, lose to Vegas. Like they just start to fall apart in the middle of the year, and it's just too late. Um. You know, there's a stretch here. There is a, what do we have, a, a five-game losing streak, six-game losing streak here? Yeah, and, you know, it just kind of came down to matchups, and they have a rough back half of their schedule. They really do, and it's, it's very unfortunate, you know. And you, you got you to gotta understand, like, 
we originally, and part of it was we originally had the schedule where they were going 5-1 and one in division. We knew that wasn't going to happen. No, that division is always competitive with each other, and you real, rarely see a team really dominate it. No, so we ended up having them going 3-3 three and three in division. Like, we just we didn't see it happening. Um, you know, and when it all came, when it was all said and done, they ended up being 8-8 eight and, eight and out of the playoffs, which is unfortunate because I really love the Colts. I just don't see... Honestly, I see them being better than last year, but it just didn't shape up. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things that not everyone can win. No, um, that saying that everybody's a winner is not true in the NFL. No, I'm definitely not. Especially, and even though you have more playoff spots, it still looks like you've got a lot of good teams that are missing out. Uh, and finally, you have the two and fourteen Jacksonville Jaguars, which is very unfortunate. They're one and seven at home, one and seven away, one and eight versus winning teams, one and six versus losing teams, um, one and five in division. It's just rough. Um, the only the only two wins that we have them getting are get are um, in Jacksonville against Tennessee, um, and then against uh, the Chargers, coming off the bye week in L.A. And you know I think this team knows that they're in rebuild mode, and honestly they should be hoping for a uh, high draft pick. Yep, and I think one of the and just kind of touching on the idea of picking a quarterback high, I don't like the idea. You know, I think that what you what you have right now is uh, they're actually very similar to Dak Prescott, where you've got a honestly, in my opinion, a better quarterback than Dak Prescott looking forward. Oh yeah. Um, and and just as cheap. I mean, he was a in fact cheaper. He's a fifth round quarterback, you know, I believe, and he's worth almost nothing. You've got him for the next couple of years, and the and he has a culture about like. He's part of that culture. He is that culture in Jacksonville, you know. And if you can spend that top pick on, for example, a Sewell, you can get a Micah Parsons. You can get, uh, you can, heck, you can get Jamar Chase if you want. You can get whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I think you have a solid quarterback that can win games. I think you put some talent around him with that high draft pick. I mean, he's likely to be the number one overall pick here. Yep. In fact, and what I would actually advise doing because Jacksonville's not a terrible two and fourteen team. I just don't see them beating really many teams in there. Uh, I would actually advise trading out of it, because you can go get a Sean Wade or a Caleb Farley or 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 any of these corners, which you desperately need right now. Funny enough that they just traded away Jalen Ramsey, but you can go get some of those guys later in the first. You know, you can get what you need. You've got a decent offensive line. You know, it's there's not much that you're lacking. You know, when you have so many needs, trading away one asset to get multiple assets is not the worst idea. No, and if you're going to miss on a first-round pick, you could have more picks later to hit on. Because honestly, if it's a lottery, you want as many you want as many uh, as many lottery tickets as you can get. Um, so that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is kind of our outlook on them. Next up, uh, we have the AFC East, which is as disappointing as it ever has been. Yeah, this division is well, what it usually is, not great. Yeah, and we kind of looked. Kind of looked at some of these teams, and it just comes down to there are just some, and what you'll kind of see as a common thread is like, there's a lot of parity in the league, but there are just some of these teams that are just not going to win these lineups. They're just not going to win these matchups. And you know, a lot of the reason we have Buffalo going nine and seven is Josh Allen's inconsistency last year. Absolutely, we don't trust him in the close games to go and and hit the throw that hit the game-winning touchdown pass. And you know, it's not that he can't do it. He has all the ability to do it. He just lacks that consistency, and that just comes with experience. Yep. And one of the biggest things here that you'll notice is that, you know, we've got, for example, Buffalo four and two in division, New England four and two in division, Miami three and three in division. 
and New York one and five in division. But like that's a very competitive division. That's as competitive as uh, the AFC North. That's as competitive as the A. Uh, yeah, as the AFC South. Like this is a very competitive division. You don't have a top heavy. You know, you don't have a top heavy. Say it again. Division. Um, you know, we've got them five and three at home, four and four away, four and four versus winning teams, five and three versus losing teams. Like, it's just a an all right Buffalo team. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a really solid defense. They'll be well coached. It's just you really need to see some growth from Josh Allen this year. I think this went this team has a range of being a twelve win team to like a six win team. Yeah, I don't actually know how how you know far down the floor really is because. We kind of saw Josh Allen. I mean, he played well, but how much worse is he? Can we reasonably expect him to play? Well, you know? I mean, I don't think a lot worse, but I think he could definitely throw more interceptions with his style. Uh, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I can I can believe that. Um, I think that the weakest. I think playing the weakest schedule in the entire league gave them some wins that they shouldn't have had. It was one of the worst schedules or one of the weakest schedules I've ever seen. Oh no! Last year there was schedule was a walk in the park, which led them to what? How many wins last year? Oh gosh, was it ten or eleven? Ten or eleven wins. So this year, you know, they made the did they make the playoffs last year? No, they just missed. Yep. They just missed the playoffs last year. They were a solid team. No, they made the playoffs. They played the Texans. Oh, that's right. They did make the playoffs. Never mind. I was gonna say I feel like they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs this year. Their schedule is tougher, and they have a, a more realistic record for where they are as a team. Definitely. So now we have New England six and ten, four and two in division. Uh, I think one of those things about this that really hurt them. I actually really believed in them as a team and then they had people start opting out. Yeah, they had six opt-outs on defense which is, you know, the heartbeat of that team and that's mm-hmm. just rough. Yeah, that was exactly why I had them going 9-10 wins because you just can't trust an offense to score against them at any point. And, you know, I mean, if you can put up three touchdowns, you know, most people can put up three touchdowns at quarterback. Doesn't matter for Cam Newton. Doesn't matter for Jared Siddham. Like, you can do something. Uh, especially when you've got, you know, the coaching staff that they do, um, even on offense. Yeah, they have a great coaching staff. And, you know, with all those opt-outs, we just don't have their defense being as dominant. It'll still be solid. It's Bill Belichick. But it won't be, you know, keeping them in games against competitive teams, which is why we have them going 1-9 and nine against winning teams. Yeah. Now, I will say one thing. Um, they did a very good job drafting as far as uh, looking at, you know, the people that they lost. They lost guys like Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower. Well, they drafted uh, Josh Uche and uh, what's that? Jeremy Jeremy, Jeremy Chen. Chen. Yeah. that's a, Those guys can step in and contribute. Now, they're not going to be the leaders of that team that they're missing, but they're going to be solid contributors. And honestly, I loved, I loved Uche. Yeah. You know, New England's one of those teams that's been dominant for the past, you know, 20 years. And uh, the way they're drafting, they'll continue to be competitive. Definitely. I... I think a lot of people kind of peg. I think some people peg him as peg Bill Belichick as just this incredible generational drafter. I think it's more of a developer. Um, they've been drafting just well enough. They've been letting the board fall to them, getting guys like Uche, um, getting guys like uh, Anthony Jennings. You know, these guys that just fit their system because they have such a unique system. Nobody else is going to draft them. Well, and you know, we talked about the Jaguars trading out of their early pick for more picks, and the Patriots are masters of that. They don't do a lot of trading up. They do a lot of trading down, getting multiple assets and drafting guys that fit their system and then coaching them into that system. Yeah. Now, I will say one thing that's actually that I'm going to bring up here. You really do see New England without a true quarterback, which 
really surprises me, especially after last year they had multiple shots at picking up that quarterback. Yeah, and you know, you wonder if they see someone in this draft or someone in this free agency that they're looking at, or if they like their guy in Jarrett Stidham. I mean, I'm not at practice with him every day. I don't know what he does at practice. Maybe they see the future in him. Definitely. I mean, I can't know. Uh, I would like to dispel the idea that, that Bill Belichick is tanking. I don't think he's capable of that. I think he's too competitive for that. No, I mean, after being, I mean, can we say he's the greatest coach of all time? Yes. The greatest coach of all time, are you going to tank at the end of your career? No, because that's an easy way for, I mean, Brady leaves. Do you think he wants to seriously be the guy that can't survive without Brady? Yeah, I don't think he likes that narrative. I think he wants to win without Brady, and frankly, I don't think he'll retire until he gets a ring without him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much he necessarily cares because he's got the rings and nobody else does. So, But, you know, there's there's something there. Um now moving on to the Miami Dolphins, uh, going five and eleven, which is actually I think fairly reasonable. You know, and I, I like this Miami team. I just don't think they're quite there yet. I think they have a couple more years of development. Now I will. I'd I'd like to ask what you think about um, their about them moving forward. I, this that's going to be the theme of this division, um, with the exception of Buffalo. Is okay. What do you think about them moving into the future, two three years down the road? You know, I think Miami could be a playoff team that's competing in two or three years. He drafted Tua, who, if he can stay healthy, that's a big if, but if he can stay healthy, is a really good quarterback. You have a great coach in Brian Flores, and that defense is, you know, they have made some, added some good pieces, drafted some good players, and I think they're set to be good in the future. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I will say, I wasn't a massive fan of their first-round pick. Uh, the offensive tackle out of USC. I'm not afraid I remember his name. Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson. Now, keep in mind, I think he's 20. He's 20 years old. And, you know, he had large setbacks because he uh, donated bone marrow to his sister. Yep. Which, I mean, is just uh, shows that he has high character. And so he definitely has some development. I hope that they sit him this year and uh, really let him learn under guys. Yeah, if anybody's got an excuse to be underdeveloped, that's exactly it. Um, so, I mean, looking forward, Miami, they're 1-7 uh, versus winning teams, 4-4 four and four versus losing teams, uh, bringing them to 5-11, and 4-4 four and four at home, 1-7 away. You know, I just, I think what you see here is a team that can hold their own against kind of the bottom third of the league, very similar to Atlanta, and will pull off a win against a winning team. Uh, you know, I just, I don't, they're going to go 3-3 three and three in, their, in their division. They're going to be competitive in their division, and that's all. Yeah, and I really think they're about three years away from really being a competitive team. Yeah, I think you're going to be looking at the back end of Tua's rookie contract, because I believe in Tua. I don't think he's going to be a superstar like some people think he is. I don't think he's going to be—I've seen people saying that he's. it was a mistake for the Bengals to take Burrow at one, which is outlandish. Oh, yeah, he's not better than Burrow. No, there's— clearly get that settled. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think just an important thing to remember here is that they are still in rebuild rebuild mode they went out in free agency they spent a whole bunch of money arguably not arguably kind of overspent maybe pulled a little bit of a rams uh, but here's hoping I, i'd like to see the dolphins return to uh being relevant me too me too i'd really like to see brian flores win with them yep he seems and that's one thing i do have a lot of hope for uh is that coaching staff speaking of of confidence with coaching staffs i do not have it in this team yeah zero None. um new york jets I liked Adam Gase because I thought, well, 
Look what he did with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's no good. And then Ryan Tannehill left, and we saw what happened. Turns out Ryan Tannehill's good. Yep, and Gase is not. So, first of all, what NFL coach does not address their locker room at halftime? That yeah, that's a that's a whole thing. If you're interested, actually, go go look at a uh, Jamal Adams tweeted out about that, and that's part of why he's gone. Um, okay, first of all, we're gonna address Jamal Adams. When you have a player like that, you do whatever it takes to keep him in the building. He's one of the he's one of the five best players in the entire National Football League. He is known as a leader throughout all that time, and it's funny because the one thing that he complained about was Adam Gase was leadership. There, there was no leadership. So, and how old is Jamal Adams? He's like twenty five years old. I don't even think that. I, I think he might be younger than that. Uh, he is. I mean, it all comes down to. Okay, that's the only thing you have. Sam Darnold. He's not working right now. Uh, you don't really have weapons at this point. Robbie Anderson's gone. Thank goodness. What a scumbag. You know, you, you've you lost... You don't have anything. Uh, C.J. Mosley was hurt. Uh, Le'Veon Bell wasn't playing particularly well. I mean, your only hope is that you have young guys on defense. I mean, you have Ashton Davis and Blake Cashman. That's about it. I mean, now, there's some, there is some solid... If you can expect less injuries than last year, they got five new starters on the offensive line. Brand new offensive line. Which they Denzel desperately Mims. needed. Yep, they got Denzel Mims. And there's the best version of this team goes seven wins. Am I, am I wrong? The, the, that's nah, good. that's nice. Five and 11. I was going to say, that's a very no. optimistic seven five, wins. Five and 11 is, is the best version of this team. I There is a world out there where the wheels fall off and they don't and, and they don't win a game. I mean, and I think after this year, Adam Gase is gone. Yeah, and that's the sad thing, Like, right? Like... You have Greg Williams, fantastic defensive coordinator. You have a generational talent at safety. Going to go back to this. You've got some of the parts. You've got a young quarterback that really does show promise, and it looks like he's got a good working relationship with Gase. The but problem is Gase doesn't have a relationship with the team. Or That's, his defensive coordinator. No, so, and and this is where, I mean, honestly, I, just, I don't have hope for the Jets in the next five years. I just don't. Um I got to see a change of ownership. I got to see a change of everything to start believing in this team. So, uh, moving on to the final division. Uh, this is nice and quick. Uh, the AFC West. Uh, we've got. You know, we got your Kansas City Chiefs here going 12 and 4. Yeah. So, um, first thing that stands out to me here uh, going on feet at home, obviously, 4 and 4 away. Um, beating, going 7 0 versus losing teams, 5 and 4 versus winning teams. So the biggest thing that I really notice here is that we've got uh, we've got them losing four games, but these are really these are four very solid games. You know they're probably going to win one or two of these games. I mean, I, I I could very easily see them winning one or two of these games and dropping a game somewhere in there that they could very well should have won. Um, so you got them losing to Baltimore in week three, losing to Denver in week seven, and those are both away games. Got them losing at Tampa Bay. We got them losing at New Orleans. You know, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that they beat, they could beat any one of those teams. Oh yeah, they could beat any one of those teams. When you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you're in every game, and you could beat every team. Yeah, as we saw with the playoffs last year, you're in every game, no matter how far down you are. No matter how many balls Travis Kelsey drops. That yeah, I don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so next up we got the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Um, we've got them going nine, six, and one. One, four, and one in the division. Um, three and five versus winning teams. Six, one, and one versus losing teams. Uh, this is a very solid team. Uh, they're going to stick in a lot of games this year. Going to make them a lot of them competitive. You know, even beat some teams that are very good. What's something that stands out to you? I mean, what stands out to me is the how much how well this team drafted, and how Definitely. competitive they are on the road. Yes. They are 5-2-1 and one on the road. A winning road record is a big deal. Yeah, but it's funny because they go 4-4 four and four at home. And you know, a lot of that is this their first year in their stadium. I don't know how much home field advantage they're going to have in a brand new stadium with an adjusting fan base. So hope, I think in a couple of years that home field advantage goes up and then they're able to beat more winning teams as uh, their secondary matures. Yeah, it's very easy to see the Raiders, um, to see the, you know, to get people on board with the Raiders, you know, and I think one of those things. Are we going to touch on Damon Arnett yet? Oh yeah, Damon yeah. Arnett. Okay. So so, and I'll just kind of tell a little backstory about how how we learned about him. So it was actually the day of the of the draft. Yep. That you you came over here and we went and we watched uh, literally just corners. We were a little behind on scouting corners, so we're like, hey, let's binge as many corners as we can before the draft starts. Yeah, I think we watched seven or eight, um, and the dude that we actually liked. I think we liked him the most out of all the corners we watched. We did. Yeah, it was Damon Arnett. Uh, this dude, it was, we actually, we watched every single target of his 2019 season with Ohio State. And he was not as good as Okuda because that's almost impossible. Um, he was very close. I would I would not have a problem with them, with somebody taking Arnett handful of picks after Okuda. Like, I, honestly, where he went, I felt like was value. Um, in fact, I actually looked at you thinking, why on earth did I not think about that? Because he's, he's a Raider. He's a Raider. He's a tough, raw, raw, in-your-face corner. Yeah, he played, I think he played one or multiple games with a cast on his hand. Um, he likes to press you out of your mind. Very physical. Extremely technically, uh, extremely technically refined. It He's a he is a raider, you know he's a, he's a, one of these things. Mike Mayock, what's he like? He likes good football players. Damon Arnett is the definition of a good football player. Yep. So, I mean, only real gripes with him. I've heard lack of athleticism. I saw a clip of him uh, running with Henry Ruggs the other day. So I don't think that's necessarily a question. Nope. Um, and then, you know, it's age. I think he's twenty three or twenty four. I think he's twenty four. Uh, which is old at corner. It's concerning, but he's further along down the line than a lot of these guys, and I think he'll get right off the box pretty pretty darn good football player. Oh, I do too. So that was the biggest thing I wanted to talk about because apparently there aren't many people that like him. Um, thankfully, we got Brett Coleman on our side. So That's always a good guy to yeah. have on your side. Uh, so uh, going back to the Raiders this year, um, we, we, just, we knew that Against some of these more high-flying offenses, it's going to be tough, and really they're going to start losing these matchups when you can really stuff the run. Uh, they hate teams like New Orleans, like Buffalo. Um, like I, I even put Denver on here as, an, as a loss. You know, have them split. And then, if you're wondering where that tie came from, it was with the Chargers. You know, because you're going to have about one tie a year, and I think that this tie is very reasonable. Week 9 uh, in L.A., you know, there's not really a home field advantage for LA or for the Chargers. Let me specify for the Chargers. There's not really much of a home field advantage. You know, you've got two low scoring teams. I think that if you're going to have one anywhere, it's going to be right here, uh, ground and pound 
both of the defenses. Oh, LA's defense is gonna be elite, probably top five this year. And then I don't see the Chargers necessarily getting those points. Yeah, I think that the Chargers will struggle to score. The Raiders will have a hard time running the ball, so they'll struggle to score, and it'll be a low-scoring defensive punch you in the mouth kind of game. Yeah, and now, now keep in mind, it's we're not expecting that. I, you can't guess a tie, but that's just kind of the best we can do. So, moving on to uh, Denver, and we've got Denver going nine and seven here. Um, keep in mind, that's a solid nine and seven. Yeah, they're a solid nine and seven. They're a young, up-and-coming team, and. This is not a bad record for this team. No, they're four and five versus winning teams, five and two versus losing teams. It really is all about matchups. Early on, we don't have them winning a lot of games because we think it's going to take a minute for these guys. It's a very young team, specifically a very young offense. Um, I'm a huge believer in Drew Lock. He was my QB one, or QB two in that draft class behind Kyler Murray. It's the first year I started scouting guys. Um, I loved him, and I have been hoping that he will. I've been hoping he'll play well for a very long time. I trust in that coaching staff. They've got decades and decades and decades and decades of coaching experience just working on Drew Locke's development. Um, but you know, and they've got—I mean—they've given him no excuse. No, he has no excuse. He has all the weapons that he could possibly ever need, and a great coaching staff behind him. So, you know, this is a drastic improvement from what they did last year, and. I think that makes should make Broncos fans hopeful. Yeah, but I mean, last year you were really wallowing around in mediocrity um, for a while there. I mean, you had Joe Flacco, what remains of him. You had the various backups that they threw in there. Oh, dear. And I'm good on them for having Drew Lock sit out. You know, it's he's a he's the kind of guy, I think they look at Patrick Mahomes and they look at him, and it's, it's kind of similar. Like, it's not as, as incredible of an athlete, but he's got a cannon. You know, he's got the athletic tools. And he's a gunslinger. You want to give him some time to reel it in before you throw him to the wolves. Yeah, and I think they've done a great job of that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the nine and seven. They're three and three in division in a very competitive division. We even have them taking out the Chiefs one week. So uh, that definitely won't be a disappointment. It just will be for me. <laughs> so uh, we got LA going two, three, and one. In division, okay, that'd be five, ten, and one. Wow, I was like, that doesn't add up to sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, um, so, what can we say? They're one six and one at home, four and four and away. I think that's actually it's pretty on point for them. I got them going two, three, and one in division, uh, two six and one versus winning, and three and four versus losing. This is one of those teams. It's just weird. They're just weird, and you know, having a quarterback's important. And like it is a home advantage, yeah. And there's no home field advantage even later into the season when you are going to have fans there or what? What no Chargers opposing sorry, fans there? Sorry, Chargers. Yeah, um, and then you know it's it's why we have we're giving them almost the exact same. We gave them basically the same number of wins versus winning teams as losing teams because, well, I mean you've got them, you've got them beating teams. What like uh, got them beating teams like the Raiders. Denver, you know, but then yeah. you've got them losing. You know, you got them losing to Jacksonville here. Yeah, they're just a team that doesn't have an offense. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be weird, and that's the thing, right? Okay, if I'm wrong, it, okay, if I'm wrong, and Justin Herbert comes out there in week, you know, comes out there in week four, week five, you know, or and let's say he comes out in week three, like last time Tyrod Taylor started the season. Yeah. And, and and the new kid comes in and he 
plays lights out, this team's going to be good. Because that defense is elite. That defense is amazing. It's just they haven't been able to figure it out on offense. And, I mean, that's really all you got to do with this team. You've got the weapons. I mean, you've got... Uh, Keenan oh. Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to say Evan Ingram, wrong team. Um, no, I mean, you've got those guys. You've got Austin Eckler, even, who they wisely paid instead of Melvin Ingram. Or not Melvin Ingram. What's their running back? <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Ah. Um, who is in division. Yeah, that was great. Um, so, I mean, I think what you're going to see is, like, this could be a tale of two seasons. Like, you know, you could start out very bad. And if Justin Herbert plays well, who knows? He might play well for three weeks and then start sucking when people get film on him. Nobody knows. Um, you could be one of the better teams in the league. I just, I think, you know, picking up Brian Belaga was a great pick. Problem is, who else? There's a reason Philip Rivers, veteran Philip Rivers, started being really, really bad. And it's not for lack of weapons. It's for lack of line. Kind of important. Yeah, he was getting destroyed. So, I mean, you're, you're literally, you're legitimately looking at one of the best defenses in the entire league. Possibly the best defense in the entire league. And one of the worst offenses. If not the worst. Yeah. So, uh, that's going to actually wrap up our AFC. Actually going to wrap up our AFC projections. We're just going to cut this a little short here. Uh, we're going to have another probably shorter uh, episode uh, behind or in front of us next. Uh, it's going to be the playoffs and then the uh, award predictions for postseason. So make sure you keep an eye on that. We're going to be releasing all three of these back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, Monday. So be ready for those. Uh, look, Keep an eye out. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.